This is Flipping Tables. Listening to Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards. And I'm David Lyons. And we have some gripes today. I do have a gripe. This is this is one of those breaking the internet things. Like you just you're not allowed to mess with copy paste. Yeah. So I'm setting up the show notes for this episode, and Business Insider, when you grab the title, you know, like the, the article title, you highlight it. And you think like, oh, I just grabbed four words. Awesome. And then you go to paste it and you get like a paragraph. Just this huge, absurd amount of text. Read more at this link. Exactly. It's the whole title, then the whole URL, which I didn't ask for, and then where I can go for like comments and more. It's like that's good information, but I didn't ask for it. Yeah. Like I – I, I know where the URL is. It's up in that white bar. And it's it's fundamentally breaking the UI where you highlighted specific words. Right. And then what goes in your clipboard is not that. Nope. Yeah, it's it's inconsistent behavior, which is always a problem. Because if yeah. something works one way 9,999 times out of 10,000, that's – even if you don't like it. Yeah. Like, then you need to lead a revolution to change copy paste behavior, but you can't break it and then just be like, oh, well, that's just how we do it. On or let website. browsers implement like a, a modifier key that's like, grab this and URL. Sure. If, Some, if people really wanted that. Yeah, anything would be better, especially because if you, like, I was on, so I'm on the train and I'm, I'm reading this article and I was like, oh, this is good. I'm going to throw this in the show notes. So I. Grab it, and now it like pastes in this huge block, and now I have to do like this mobile phone editing. Yeah. So I'm like triply pissed because they've taken what should have been a very simple experience, and now I'm having to drag. And yeah. you, you know, now the phone screens are so thin on the end; it's hard to get the cursor like right up to the corners. It's, ugh. Yeah, this is definitely on our list of internet sins, including linking white space oh. so that you have no safe place to click to. <laughs> Which, you know, the thing that's about linking white space that I've never really thought about is like, so, Mike, you're you're looking at our rundown document right now. So, like, the gray kind of space that's outside. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is about <laughs> human behavior when you're on the web, but you click in that space. I need that click. <laughs> you have to have that click. And I just... Well, it's deselect. It's a safe place to deselect. Right. So, clearly... Everyone must do this, whether they realize it or not. Otherwise, why would websites link that white space? You wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't now unless you're a dick. <laughs> well, it's, it was always a dick. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, wh- why do we do that? Why do we you're – just, you're looking at a document and you're like, oh, this is interesting. I'm just going to go over here to the left and click. <laughs> just uh, – that will help me read. Well, I think to, to me the habit comes from Windows where you have to have focus on a window to scroll it. And so you're always clicking to move the focus. I I think you have just nailed it. I think that's it. Because yeah. I distinctly remember having, not that long ago, tools installed on Windows to let me scroll an out-of-focus window. Yeah. So that I could just hover over it and then use my little scroll wheel. Now it's my little finger gesture <laughs> on my trackpad. But yeah, that that you couldn't do that. I think... Uh, 
And now combine that with no safe place to click except like the chrome of the window itself. Right. And if you are a shady website, and I'm 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 actually remiss to say some of my favorite websites do this, which is that you guys are better than that. But if you know the majority of your readers, viewers, whatever are on Windows, they're going to click into the website, right? They have their email open. They're going to click in and they have that white space. They click on it and you get a click. You get yeah. an ad impression. You don't care if they immediately rage quit that tab. Yeah, I rage quit websites too when I discover this. I have. I. I. It's not. Nope. Just nope right <laughs> out of there. <laughs> What's the, the four-letter acronym for like – White space link. Oh, close didn't, tab didn't read. Yeah, but it ha- it's got to be something like white space linking specific. <laughs> we'll have to figure something out. <laughs> so you have a Pebble. Yes. We've talked about your, your Pebble watch. Um, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> 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 it, your whole review. <laughs> um, so they added – Android Wear notifications to it. Not Android Wear style, like they actually are digging into apps that are making calls to the Android Wear API and they're capturing them, I guess. Yeah. And you don't have an Android device anymore, so you let me borrow yours and I used it for a week and I have arrived I so I really like I installed different watch faces and I I made sure that some of the apps had rich notifications that I can interact with. And after a week of using it, I can say unequivocally, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's okay. It And it, this is nothing against the Pebble. This is that I've spent the last, I don't know, probably two or three years trying to get out of the habit of being notified of everything yeah. all the time. I wrote a blog post about it not that long ago. Like I just – I don't – I want to know the important things. I don't want to know everything. And there's a whole lot more noise than signal. Yeah. I will say you can set up the Pebble as a trusted, trusted, big air quotes, Bluetooth device, which means that for the week that I was using your Pebble, every time I took my phone out, it was just like, oh, hey, you're you. Your phone's unlocked, Mr. You. Yeah. I was like, oh. That's cool. And then I I factory reset and handed the watch back to you yesterday. And literally the first time I went to grab my phone, I had to unlock it with a pin. I was like, uh. Like an animal. Like an animal. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you, I think, do you, does your iPad have Touch ID? You no. Don't, you don't have that one? No. So does that make you use it less? Like if, if the iPad and the iPhone <laughs> are equidistant from you. Um. I don't know. The iPad just kind of stays at home. <laughs> is it your magazine device? Your oh no, you use it for gaming. Yeah, it's you really know, like a tabletop game. Yeah, yeah. Hiroshima hex, <laughs> pretty much just that, and Kingdom Rush. Oh, Kingdom Which, Rush. There's a new one. Yeah, so. I saw. I'm trying. I'm I'm fighting the urge right now. I have like a, this huge backlog of so active good. games. <laughs> it is really good. Um. Yeah, but I, I now – like I actually on the train on the way home yesterday, I had to order a Moto Skip because I now need something <laughs> to, to make unlocking the phone easier. Can't be typing in something. Well, because I, I have – at any given time, I'm I'm dealing with like three different Android devices because I have a tablet for work. I have my personal tablet and then I have my phone 
and my wife has a tablet, which occasionally I have to do stuff with. Okay, you really want to go into a crazy <laughs> tangent here? Um, my daughter is now old enough to hold like a tablet in her little bitty hands, and I get this weird social guilt. Like when I see her holding, because we installed like a few baby apps on yeah. it, they're just like numbers and the alphabet and shapes and stuff. And they're actually they're not bad little games. They're interactive. Like they don't just do stuff on their own. You have to do stuff. And I was just saying this to my wife last night. Like I'm watching her use a tablet in in a way no adult would, because she's like running in circles, like using it and like yeah. laying down and sitting up. And I'm like, most people just like become a blob and have it play YouTube videos. <laughs> so already she's she's got like a standing desk version of this tablet. <laughs> and but I'm watching her and I'm like I feel like I'm supposed to feel guilty. Like oh she I shouldn't be letting her use that cuz it's it's not something. It's not <laughs> it's not good for some reason. I don't know. And like I don't like that. <laughs> I, if I'm going to feel bad about something, I want to feel bad about it because I feel bad. Not because I think other people think I should feel bad. Yeah. I don't like that. Preemptive social shaming. It is. It's like no one's telling me that – no one's directly telling me that I shouldn't. But I hear – you know, there's – you read like baby books and blog posts Art, and stuff. The inner Luddite. <laughs> yeah. It's – people are like, oh, you should only let your kid watch 10 minutes of TV a month after they eat their Brussels sprouts and <laughs> if they do all their homework. And I'm just like, no, it's fine. Yeah, I'm mostly like families can figure out what's what do they want to do in their own family. Just don't make a lot of noise about it. I'm good. <laughs> like everyone can have their own crazy. Just don't make it a, your mission to convert me to your crazy. So, do you child rearing is like spirituality? It's kind of a personal choice. I mean, there's obviously. Things I would be willing to comment on if I was just like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, you probably shouldn't let your kids smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, I'm a live and let live. Just don't. <laughs> well, this, I mean, you can't. You know, if, if you eventually have kids, you 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 have to seek out a certain amount of information, unless you just have like divine yeah. kid raising <laughs> knowledge. Um, but it's really hard to avoid, and I'm I'm sh- like shocked by the weird technology stuff I come across. Like people were like, "Oh, we never let our kid watch TV because TV's so bad for them." <laughs> but we set them up with a you know Netflix kids account so that they can queue up you know movies. And I'm like, that, you know that's TV, right? Like, I mean, it, it's like TV in the general sense, but it's close enough. Passive watching of something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I like I'm. Like, you know, I game. I'm going to game with my daughter. Like, I don't care yeah. how bad video games are supposed to be for young minds, which I don't think They're they are. They're at least more active than just watching something. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's frustrating. I don't – stop making me feel guilty, anonymous <laughs> society member. So – I'm I'm excited for the moto skip. I know we get we went like a whole forest so away from. Does this thing only exist to signify a trusted device? It's better than that, and here's why I say it's better than that. Um, Bluetooth has a fairly respectable range of like I thought it was thirty meters, but then I was reading it's about thirty feet, isn't it? No, it's a hundred meters now. Like Bluetooth four zero or four one, a hundred meters is three hundred feet. Yeah. It's Really far away. That sounds like theoretical peak. Like in practice, it would never really be that. 
Yeah, but even if it's 50 feet, that's to me, that's too far. Because I'm not in control of everything within a 50-foot radius. Yeah. Right? So I, I noticed this. You know, like we have a an open door policy at work. So I, you know, leave my phone on my desk and I go to the bathroom or I go to, you know, fill up my water jug or something. And I would get notifications on the Pebble, which meant I'm definitely still connected to the phone, yeah. which means if someone walks into my office and picks up my phone, it's unlocked. And I mean, I obviously trust you guys, most of you, <laughs> but that like, that's a new habit you have to build. Yeah. The Moto Skip is an NFC tag that is for the singular purpose of unlocking a device, which means I'm going to look like a crazy person tapping <laughs> my phone against whatever part of my Just body. Rubbing your ass with your phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause I, it, um, it's like a, it's a magnetic clip, you know, it looks, it looks like a. I don't know, like a U or a C, and you like it's got magnets, and you clip it on. And I strongly suspect I'm going to permanently affix it to my keys. So this isn't something you have to charge; it's just passively. Yeah, it's passive. Which I would love for someone who knows about electronics to explain this to me. Like, why does it not require power? <laughs> I is it? It's something like when the radio waves hit it, you know, they transfer enough power to get the information out. Or something? Magic? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Magic, got it. Little, little tiny elves crammed inside there. <laughs> but there, there's some kind of awesome technology that says batteries are not involved, which is already a huge win. Yeah. Because it's like I don't want to sit down in my car and go to turn the engine on and have the key have a dead battery. Yeah. You know, like I already have to worry it's about already, the Yeah, it's annoying enough when your remote unlocker like dies. Oh, man. <laughs> When I was in college, I had the my first car, I was very lucky, had one of those. And because at the time, you know, that's all those years ago, that was still like pretty new. And when the fob died and I went to the dealership and I was like, hey, I need to get a new one because at the time you couldn't just like crack it open and you had to yeah. like get a new one. They were 80 bucks. <laughs> I was like, there, no, there's no way. This is not an eighty dollars. I will manually unlock forever to not spend eighty dollars. <laughs> and I did for years because then when I finally did get a new car that had a new set of keys, the it was a used car and it didn't come with the fob, like it was supposed to have it. And it, yeah. they were just like, "Oh, we lost it." Shit. So, yeah, it's and you but, get to learn all about like the car doors that like need to be locked after I don't know like. Close your side, and then I'll lock it, and then I'll close my side. Oh, yeah. Or, if any, It's like, oh, the trunk is open. You can't lock the doors. I have to use the key after all the doors are closed to lock it. Yep. It's like, ah. Uh, yeah. I don't, don't want protocol to leaving the car. My car now is uh, is a Subaru, and if you hit the lock inside, like the not the fob, but like the actual door thing, it won't let you do it if any of the doors are open. Yeah. Because it assumes... The you're worst? gonna lock yourself in. You lock your keys in the car. Or something? I, I guess so. Yeah. It, and I like can you, a little bit more trust. <laughs> I've I've never and this is I'm now gonna do this like tomorrow. I've never locked my keys in my car. I've never locked myself <laughs> oh, out of yeah, the house. You just set the universe up. <laughs> I did. It's like oh never. <laughs> Maybe we can do something about that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like is there there has to be like some sect, some derivative of Christianity. That believes that this is what God does with all his time. <laughs> like he just listens for people who are like, you know, I went all winter without slipping on the ice. And he's like, tomorrow 
You. It's more like Loki. <laughs> so Norse, I guess. North, Norse mythology. Just mischief. <laughs> did, did, is Christianity – well, monotheism. So all the polytheisms probably have like a trickster mischief god. Is that why we – human personalities. Yeah. We went to monotheism to get away from the douche gods <laughs> down to like just one nice guy, one grandpa, grandfather figure. So – Oh, I got to just mention this thing. Just I saw this. It was like a, a nothing. Um, but someone made like a one-liner JavaScript thing. And this, I thought of this entirely because of you when I saw it. <laughs> it's, it unfollows everyone in your Twitter stream. It's all it does. You go. Just 100%. 100% across the board. Because it's actually pretty clever. It uses like the, the console in the Chrome DevTools. Pops up. And it just looks for any link on the page that says unfollow and then clicks it. So you just go to your list of people you follow? and Exactly right. Yeah. And it just... I was wondering how it could do that because I know the API is pretty heavily rate limited. Like yeah. through, through the API, you couldn't unfollow massive amounts of people. No, this is... For, for those cool kids in the know, this is all DOM manipulation because it's actually looking for the button on the screen and then effectively pressing it. Yeah. And then because Twitter is a real-time app, that follower then goes away. So the button goes away. Yeah. So then it just keeps doing that through all of them. And the the video is it's, – it's, he does a fairly succinct job. It's not a 45-minute introduction like, hey, guys, here's what I'm going to show you in my video today. <laughs> and like and subscribe on this video if you like my videos. And you're just like, get on with it. <laughs> but it's uh, – the implication here is that – you follow so many more people that you don't want to follow than you do want to follow that it's worth it to burn the house down yeah. and then just rebuild the bedroom. Well, I was tempted to do that with some of our extra, like, the show Twitter account or something where I was like, we don't need to follow anyone. Like, no. See, but that, <laughs> we sh- we that's... We should burn that house down. I feel like that's a fairly unique case. That's that's a, a house made of matchsticks. It's like, oh, that house is meant for burning. But for a normal user, I, I don't know. Maybe a normal user doesn't no, pop open. I'll, I'll try. I'll keep that bookmarked because I will probably <laughs> use it at some point when I'm just like, I'm not reading any of my stream. Why do I follow any of these people? <laughs> just burn it all down. So I'll be, tell me if you use it. I'll be curious. I almost want to make a fake account, follow a crap ton of people because I like most of the people I follow. That's why I follow them. You can use it on flipping tables if you just want to see what it does. <laughs> He said this was the one thing that he burned a little bit of his technical credibility. In the video, he says, if you want to make a note of the some of the people you do want to refollow, you can just take a screenshot. I was like, what? What? No. Just open their account in another tab or copy yeah. and paste their username or something like a screenshot <laughs> of your account page. Like, that's weird. And then the, the two gripes I have, because it's a gripey day. Are one, he has stars in the title of this video. Like, and I don't mean like an asterisk, I mean like a almost like an emoji Unicode UTF 8 star. Ugh. And something about it just annoys the hell out of me. It's only two, it's one at the beginning, it's one at the end. You can see it in the show notes, but it's just like, it's like, ugh, why, why did you do Yuck. that? And I can, like, if this was, you know, like a 10-year-old who made a My Little Pony video, then I'd be like, oh, okay, it's, that jives. Stars and rainbows. But this, the person sounds like an adult, and it's not like a cutesy video. So I was just like, why stars? 
Maybe if it was a video about like starring stuff in Twitter, then maybe, maybe. Favoriting? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, favoriting, not starring. It's a star. Thank yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. I don't know. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it and I'm going to report back. <laughs> so, Mike, tell me about the Sony hack. Uh, Sony got hacked hard, and this is kind of not news anymore, but I, I do. It's still ongoing. It's, it's, it's still happening. News, but yeah. it is ongoing. Um, yeah, Sony got hacked hard, like emails, like employee information. Um, and it apparently was all from this group that was really unhappy with their Seth Rogen comedy that was depicting the assassination of their leader. Um, so, so this has got to be conversation point number one. Do you personally think this was actually North Korea behind this? Not necessarily North Korean hackers, but like they paid hackers or like I have I don't know North Korean sympathizers. It's possible. It just sounds like such a stretch to me. I mean, they're not. They didn't do anything when Team America came out, and no, they did not. That and that totally pretty deserved. much just as maybe probably more offensive. <laughs> so ronery. What I thought was interesting though was uh, China commented in the past couple of days about it and basically said, "America, you get to always be on top of culture making in the world, so you need to be classy and not be such a jerk <laughs> and not get all butt hurt over." <laughs> And they're like, yeah, 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 we don't condone hacking or doing this kind of nonsense, but don't be so arrogant with your filmmaking and just, like, that's trample all around on everyone. I, I feel like the, that's a complicated opinion to come out of China that has, like, a really tight... It was basically like, you're better than this, America. You don't need to make fun of other countries. And right. it's like, yeah, but we aren't a monolithic, like, the state didn't create that movie. Exactly. And we, we value to a fault letting our citizens make whatever they want and God, say whatever to, they want. To such a fault. <laughs> and it, I've, I've always, I, don't, I, don't, I wish I remembered who this quote was originally from, but it's been parodied so many times. I just think Simpsons and Family Guy and Jetsons and Flintstones, which is like, it's probably Jefferson. It's like... While I disagree with what you say, I'll defend to the death your right to say. Yeah. And I I hate the level of maturity that belief requires. It's <laughs> a good way to say it. <laughs> sometimes someone just says and or does something so hateful. You're just like, I don't wanna I don't I can't We're just so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Just ignorant, hateful stupidity. It's like, yeah, that that is a cultural value we still do is uh, you're allowed to say that so <laughs> fine you're allowed to say that and that's exactly the situation that belief is for exactly is for when you're like why, why would you say that why would you make this movie seth rogan which so here's like another weird thing i'd heard is and this is i mean now the conspiracy theory hole is we're just going straight to the sub sub basement Someone posited the idea that the the reason this all happened happened <laughs> is because the interview is so bad that this is like a whole no. big no, it's not. But the reason Sony was so willing to pull it 
is they were just like, oh, yeah, no, uh, we offended everyone in hacking and we're super sorry. And that it, it would actually be easier for them to just kill it. I don't think Sony's look good at all in all of this. No. <laughs> this is not a way to save face and not release your movie. It's just been embarrassing for them, like left and right. All of America is like mocking them for being so afraid to publish this movie. The amount of people who, like the Mitt Romney Twitter account <laughs> said, you should release this online for free, but accept donations, like suggest a $5 donation and then give all the money to, uh, some, I can't remember, some specific charity. Maybe maybe carve out some of that to upgrading your infrastructure to be more secure. Yeah, that's take the, 100% of the proceeds. That's the one thing I hope comes out of this is the there needs to be corporate shaming on shitty security practices. Well, just like yes. plain text storage of credentials or whatever. I mean, I don't think that was going on, but it was. It was. Oh, okay. oh yeah. No, this is. However bad do you think this is? It's way worse than that. Okay. So you, you're a PlayStation guy. I'm a PlayStation guy. So you remember not that long ago when there was a massive hack of the like PlayStation 2012 or something. I think it was 2011. Yeah. But yeah, re- recently. And it shut down the service entirely for like a week while they got their house back in order. And figured out how much the damage and liability they had. Yeah, oh yeah. No, credit card numbers, people's addresses and phone numbers, like just all gone. Just yeah. gone. Out there forever. And then people, you know, ask me sometimes, like, why I'm so paranoid about, oh, like, you actually. Like, do you read the news? Yeah. Every other week, some <laughs> company has been just ransacked for all their data. And And this is why I don't really feel all that bad for Sony because. It's like, oh, you mean three years after the last major hack? Because they've had others. Yeah. Like three years after the last like major totally ruined your shit hack, you were still storing plain text files called important underscore passwords. Yeah. Like I fire whoever that was out of a cannon into a wall because they cannot be yeah. trusted. I have no sympathy for the company – for not being more secure, but I do feel bad for employees that just have like social security numbers. Yeah. They're just in the wild now. Yeah. No, every, I mean, Sony's got to be one of the largest companies on the planet. Certainly may, one of the largest. Maybe media Sony companies. deserves this, but not, as, not just random employee whose specialty may not have anything to do with technical security. It's like, oh, I'm a casting director. I'm oh, just yeah. good at getting actors into movies. Yeah. And now my personal information is everywhere. Yeah, and this is I'm I'm going to sound all like grassroots 99% are activists, but <laughs> the people who are being punished by this are the people who cannot afford to be punished by this. Yeah. You know, Joe Schmo who, you know, makes the coffee in the break room and that's their entire job, his social security number is now presumably out there where someone can get it. He probably can't afford things like credit monitoring and he may not know he can go to his bank and like do all this fraud protection stuff. The top level CEO or the head of IT security who probably has enough knowledge and money to protect themselves now that this has happened, they don't really have to worry. Like, oh, crap, my social security number got out there because I'm a lazy moron. Uh, oh, well, I'll just – I'll turn on you know fraud monitoring on all my cards and I'll – 
you know, I'll have my accountant make sure everything looks above board. And it's like, yeah, but you were the one who could have protected all the other people. Yeah. So now you've used all your knowledge to screw everyone so else. How many of these hacks do we need before companies stop being terrible? Um, it seems like there's been plenty, <laughs> plenty of these situations. Even just Sony, there's been plenty. Yeah. Are they going to get their shit together now? No. <laughs> I mean, based on historical evidence, I would say no, because this is not the first time they've had a hack. Well, I should say this is supposedly the largest hack of this type ever. The The number of people are swinging around is 300 terabytes of data. Wow. And it's – so this is files. This is scripts. This is unreleased movies like Rough Cuts, Final Cuts. This is uh, employee information, th- it, everything. Like they yeah. just – it's like they just walked into Sony and made a copy of all their databases and was like, we own you now. Yeah. We are Legion. Yeah, it's bad. It's like really – Real bad. Real bad. Real big time scary bad. And uh, this article uh, – where is it here? Somewhere in the show notes. Um, but, but this guy wrote an article about like do they deserve our sympathy? And I mean his answer is immediately no. But it's – I don't know what we can do for the people who are actually affected. You know, the the CEO of Sony or the head of – Sony Pictures, I guess, because it's like Sony's really like a thousand yeah, conglomerates. A Hydra. <laughs> a Hydra is a good way to put it. They may step down, you know, they may get shuffled around and like, oh, well, you know. But they'll get hooked up by someone. <laughs> exactly. They're, the, the high ups really aren't going to have to pay a price. Um, and I mean – if you are a multi-million dollar executive at Sony and it's like, oh, I'm I'm poisoned now. Nobody will hire me. I just have to live out the rest of my life with my millions of dollars. And, and just cry into my dollar. Yeah, and all, all my other investments. Hundred dollar tissues. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm really not trying to sound like 99 percenter, but I, I feel like the reason I don't see change in the near future is because the people with the power to make the changes are not being hurt. Not really. I mean, yeah, there's like political fallout and it this looks bad. This is a pretty big deal though. This maybe is. Maybe this one's big enough that <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was actually – there it is. It's on uh, Al Jazeera was uh, was the hack corporations don't deserve our sympathy. And as soon as I saw that headline, I was like, yes, I must read this article that I surely already agree with. <laughs> so do you, what do you think about the – the idea of the interview, should they release it for free? Apparently BitTorrent offered. They were like, yeah, we'll we'll distribute it for you. I think it should be released. I don't know that it has to be free. I mean they could just actually put it out in theaters. Just stiff upper lip. We're yeah. going to proceed as planned. Yeah, but would, I don't I – don't, Would you I go don't. see it? No. <laughs> I, I didn't want to see this movie. And I'd not even just for free speech reasons do I want to see it, but <laughs> see, I just don't want us to not to, – to start censoring ourselves because of a hacker group or foreign powers. Like maybe Sony should have self-censored and not made this movie in the first place or something. Like you could argue like taste or something. <laughs> but 
I don't want it to be reactionary. Like I don't want the next great documentary to be not made because it it is willing to talk about another nation or or you know that we we just suddenly are have this like xenophobic inability to comment on anything. No, I'm. I don't, do you feel like satire and like legitimate journalism are subject to the same repercussions from other nations? I mean, in North Korea's case, I would say probably, yeah. <laughs> they probably frown on legitimate journalism. I think fair-minded people wouldn't distinguish between them. It's that companies that care about bottom lines and dollars are going to be scared off of offending anyone, and the, this will just retreat even more. Like, would the TV show Homeland continue to be made if Pakistan started throwing fits and had the kind of hacker influence to, to do some damage. Are, are, they or do the you bi- think, are they the big bads in Homeland? Well, in the current season, it's it's just a, very, a whole lot about what's going on in Pakistan. And, I like, if they could hurt someone the way this has hurt Sony, do you think Showtime would fund a show about a real nation in the world? And... You know, it's it's a nuanced show. Like America does terrible stuff in the show, and like there's, it's it's not just like the superhero Jack Bauer <laughs> saves the world from themselves because we are a super nation. It's like you know, it's complicated political chess happening, but it's really entertainment. And it's I don't know, would a show like that be made? Will Sony make a, a- <laughs> Sony? Maybe not. They're probably going to retreat to much safer waters. But for a I, while. I don't want to be a too alarmist, <laughs> but I am. I do think it's not really about oh, well, satire versus journalism. They'll be okay. It's like oh, Sony doesn't want to lose money, so they will stop making anything that remotely could possibly yeah offend anyone. Like a chilling effect. Yeah, I mean, this is the the same kind of chilling effect we always worry about in the game industry. Where it's like, well, if you don't make another Madden or you don't make another Call of Bro Duty, then it's no one's yeah. going to buy your games. And I mean, if you're EA, like, I challenge you to find positive press about EA on the internet <laughs> on any gaming website because everyone hates them. Yet they're this ridiculously profitable company. I mean, just money hand over yeah. fist. And maybe that's there's a dimension to this. It's everyone's going straight to free speech. Like, oh, we can't chill free speech. But is something like the interview not just oh we have to protect things under free speech? But it's like there's a there is a kind of cultural xenophobia of like we made this comedy about killing the, the leader of North Korea because we are so unable to actually interact with other nations in a healthy way that we just make these shitty comedies about bumbling American dudes that get sent to kill their leader. Yeah. It's it's just like this xenophobic thing. This really does go back to what you were saying a minute ago, which is, you know, we have to just kind of be like, uh, you know, Seth Rogen's going to get high on the pot and go assassinate another country's leader. And we have to just let him say that if he wants to, because it's America. And I, there, there's no, like, once you step even the tiniest bit away from anyone can say anything about anything, it 
it's one of the few times I think a slippery slope actually happens because every time somebody wants to censor the internet, it's always to protect the children and to stop child pornographers. And it's like, no, that guy just has a website about how he likes cats. But one time he said he thought the president was a jerk and now you're setting down his cat website. Like this has nothing to do with protecting children. You're just (laughs) using this, like the censorship hammer. Yeah, and I guess that's the stakes that everyone's so paranoid of censorship. Yeah, I guess the – does it all – maybe all kind of circles back to like if other people don't value – like other nations and other cultures, if they don't value free speech the way we do, then this happens. Like <laughs> you know, when you're dealing with a, a culture like North Korea or China or uh, any other like heavily controlled communist kind yeah. of nation – they don't stand for that kind of stuff, and the soldiers show up and put a stop to what you're doing. It does seem like there is that that cultural impasse of like China was saying, like, "Come on, America, be classy. Don't say things like that." And we're kind of like, we let our people say what they want, and it's not like Obama didn't have to approve this script. You're like telling Obama, like, <laughs> you know, you need to rein in your movie makers, and yeah. it's like. No, the whole point is that he can't do that. Right. <laughs> that filmmakers can make whatever the hell they want. Yeah, it is sort of weird when you actually look legally at the power that the president has. It's not that much. It's not nearly as much as people think. And yet everything gets attributed directly to the yeah, – like he the personally health, sits there and approves each script. Yeah, the health – like people just have to have that figurehead to – you know, the economy went down. It's Obama. It's Bush's fault. Right. Give Clinton all the credit in the 90s for a, a booming surplus. Like, yeah, I don't think I want to put it all on one guy either way, whether things was, went to hell or yeah, things can, got a lot better. It's like, yeah, I don't there's think, like 300 million of us here. I don't think you can solely give Clinton credit for a boom in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. So I have to say that I made it a point to find – the it, this is a vanity wait van city buzz whatever it's <laughs> some website um that has the leaked death scene from the end of the interview and it's there are two clips and both of them have been shut down and have a big scary nicks on them like <laughs> they were blocked somewhere but these particular people were clever enough to include an animated GIF, which is harder to track and shut down. So that is still in the article. All right. So if you want to see the the Did least, you see scene, Sony was threatening Twitter with like, yeah. lawsuits to for not killing accounts that were posting links to these leaks. Yep. Which so this is like a weird. Twitter's gotten in trouble for this before. Facebook, actually not that long ago, got in a bunch of trouble for this, which is Reddit is constantly in trouble yeah. for this, which is if you say, okay, the, the content on our site is entirely user-submitted, so it's all up to them. You know, if they – as long as it's not illegal, they can post whatever they want. Like I always – as a kid, I always wondered – when you would go into like a grocery store or Barnes and Noble or something back when bookstores were a thing and you would see <laughs> like high times and they would have all these articles about like how to grow pot in your closet and like, 
you know, the best ways to inject heroin into your eyeballs. And I was like, how can they do this? (laughs) And then that was kind of when I learned about like, oh, that's sort of a staple of free speech. Like they're not actually doing it supposedly, but they can tell you how to do it. Like one of the only things you can't legally describe or plan out in free speech is an assassination. Pretty much anything else is fair game. Yeah. And I should specify an assassination of like a U.S. official like the president because clearly you can make a multi-million dollar movie about killing the head of state of another country. But making a movie about it <laughs> is different than planning an actual assassination. <laughs> That's true, but I suspect you would never culturally, maybe not legally, but you would never be able to get funding if you were like, I want to make a movie about killing the president of America. I bet you could make that movie. No, legally you could. But I mean, if you went to, if you said, I want to make the interview, but about, you know, Bill Clinton, they would be like, no, we're not going to show the inside of the White House and how you would sneak in. And oh, yeah, yeah. It's like the, you remember in X2? It'd be the, a little reckless. The, the opening scene of, uh, yeah. of Nightcrawler, like, bamfing around to that awesome DSRA. I love that scene. It's <laughs> probably one of the best part of that movie. But it's... uh. It's so fantastical, right? But if it was like a guy sitting down and describing like, oh, well, I know there's guards posted at this door and, you know, I know that that guy just had a baby so he's distracted and, you know, that other woman is, you know, she's planning a big event for her family so she's distracted and I'm going to sneak past at this time when they're doing the changing of the guard. Like, I don't think you could do that. I don't think you would get support for it. Yeah. Legally, you could probably get away with it. I, just, I have this gif. It's you just, just shouldn't do that. You really shouldn't. You shouldn't do this. Like this is this is not really satire. It's just a Korean guy having his face exploded. <laughs> have you seen this? Look at this. No. Look at this nonsense. Just slow motion. He's like getting into a helicopter, and then just fiery like. And then at the last second, you see his oh, head actually geez. pop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> But I have to say, Just I'm because you can make something doesn't mean you should. Yes, but I, I am as you know culturally vulnerable as anybody else. I now kind of want to see this movie because this feels like when you're in middle school and you go to the library and you find out they don't have a book. Yeah, and then you ask your parents, you're like, "Oh, can you take me to the city library where they do have that book?" Because it's banned in my school library. Yeah, it's like Slaughterhouse Five or Schools banning books, man. Yeah, and I mean, though that's you know, I'm not prepared to argue that Slaughterhouse Five and the Interview are even in the same universe, <laughs> let, let alone you know are comparable as banned media. But like, the second you ban something, it makes people want to watch it or read it or whatever. What was it like? Isn't Twain banned? Like Huck Finn or? I think that one goes in and out. Like I think it's banned in some places and yeah. not in others. And it, do you know why? Because it, it has a few scenes that glorify drug use. <laughs> like, that's it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like these are schools that probably have Mein Kampf as assigned reading for juniors and seniors as like historical study. But, oh, if a 12-year-old skips school and smokes pot, it, nope, sorry. Mm-hmm. That'll corrupt our youth. Yep. Well, at least it worked and no kids ever smoke pot now. 
Or skip school. Yeah. I, the whole time I was in school, everyone was there every day unless they were sick. <laughs> then they responsibly stayed home. And it's because they couldn't read. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what do you think um, in terms of them releasing the movie? Like do, do you do you think they should like, you know, no, we're going to do the right thing and send it to theaters. Should they release it online for donation, BitTorrent for free? I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> They should they should probably release it in some form, but I don't think it really matters. It doesn't matter to me how. Fair enough. What do you think uh, about like the the victims? Like, should does Seth Rogen still deserve? I'm sure he has in his contract that he gets paid, whether it gets released I'm, or not. But unless they, unless his payment was percentages of profit, because right. he's getting nothing. But I mean, I, I so you you actually know more about the movie industry than I do. What about like? The little guy, you know the the key grips and the well, they get the paid a salary, so they're so, already so they're paid. safe. Yeah, okay. That's why Sony is out ninety million dollars if they don't release this. If they just eat it, they just mm. eat the loss. It's like because that's just production yeah. costs. I don't. This whole thing is like it's so, such nonsense. Well, and all the marketing—that's all the money they spent. But. Right. Is for nothing now. <laughs> and I was still seeing ads even like two or three days after yep. they pulled the movie. I was still seeing ads. I was like, why are you advertising this thing you're not releasing? Yeah. Actually, you know, I had kind of a weird uh, like time shifting experience. So the Colbert Report ended last week. Very sad. Oh, yeah. It was so, such a sweet ending though. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but I was behind uh, by a week on The Daily Show and The Colbert Report and – they talked about the interview like as an upcoming movie yeah. because the hack happened on like Tuesday or Wednesday and I watched like the Monday, Tuesday episodes on Hulu time shifted and like I think on the Daily Show they interviewed Seth Rogen and then on the Colbert Report like they mentioned the interview or they, they – he had on a guest that was associated with the movie and I was like, this is from a time before they knew. <laughs> like, this was a more innocent world. <laughs> but it was just like – they have no idea. Yeah. Like you can, they have no idea what's coming. Like the their all their social security numbers, how much he was paid, his contract, all that stuff. It's yeah. all about to be leaked. Apparently, the fate of the Steve Jobs movie had to become headlines. Wait, what? That because Sony was making the Aaron Sorkin written Steve Jobs movie. Uh huh. There was a whole Mashable article about the meltdown. This was during the initial press field day of like some giant company got hacked to hell and we're just going to have fun dancing <laughs> on their grave. But the, there was all these emails that got out between different executives arguing about who should direct, who should star. And it was basically how Sony had this movie fall apart and now Universal has it. But – yeah, you know, you just reminded me of a whole other facet to this that, see, this is, you know, when you don't take good notes, this is what happens. <laughs> you have to rely on your co-host to remind you. One of the things that I've been seeing in the media field day is a focus on all these emails because, you know, Sony has their emails on their servers yeah. and – I I saw an article. I couldn't I couldn't even bring myself to read it because it just from the title alone you can tell it's such trash. I'm not even going to put it in the show notes. But the title was "Sony hates Adam Sandler as much as you do." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that's so 
probably maybe true, but I mean, Sony's probably got like forty thousand. Not if he employees. makes money, like exactly. Ultimately, they don't care, right? And to say Sony, it's not like Jim Sony. Like <laughs> we're not talking about like Bill Sony. Yeah, this is not you know Martha Sony, the founder and sole <laughs> employee of Sony Corporation, like. <laughs> I'm sure there are people who work for Sony who hate Adam Sandler. I'm sure there are people who work for Sony who think he's great. I'm sure there's a lot of people who work for Sony don't who don't give a don't, shit. <laughs> zero shits given. Yeah, and it's like there's I'm sure there's emails between executives, directors, screenwriters, whatever, you know, higher profile people and they're saying like, "Oh, I got assigned to, you know, another shitty Adam Sandler movie." I'm sure that's all it is. Yeah. I don't even have to read the article to be positive that that's all it is. But now like Someone, you know, employee A sends a nonsense email to employee B, and now some, like, gossip website has made thousands of dollars in ad revenue because of, like, one offhanded comment that, I mean, and what, like, this is going to end his career? Yeah. Like, it's been revealed that some people don't like Adam Sandler (laughs) as if that was, like, breaking Not everyone liked Click. (laughs) I see. Or Spanglish. And that I just cannot accept because... Spanglish was the Citizen Kane of our time. <laughs> and it was okay. It was all right. It was all right. It was it's like uh, Pebble Good. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Did you see? Uh, uh, what was the Punch Drunk Love? That was good. That was P.T. Anderson. It was good. But that was also that was because that was when I worked it's at Blockbuster. Director, of course. <laughs> yeah, but that was. Oh, don't be one of those guys. It was an indie movie. Of course, it was awesome. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> Oh, sorry. You said art house, <laughs> but that was, I worked at blockbuster when that movie was on DVD, like first on DVD. And I remember people coming in and being like, Oh, a new Adam Sandler movie. And I tried really hard not to force people not to rent something, but I for- tried to force people not to rent that movie because you could just tell they're expecting Billy Madison. Yes. Yeah, when someone comes in and they're like, you know, oh, my boyfriend's out of town. I'm going to have an Adam Sandler movie night and get drunk with my friends. And it's like, okay. And they get like Billy Madison and and um, Happy Gilmore and and, and uh, was the one where he's a dad. The dad one. Big Daddy. Big Daddy. And then they have Punch Drunk Love and you're like, no. Nope. Do, do you know what you <laughs> – I can't blame them. The title sounds like just another one of like punch drunk love. Yeah. Like, and it's just, I think the cover is just like a profile, just like a side of his head. Yeah. But, and then I guess there's the troll part of me that just wants to be like, watch that one first. <laughs> yeah. Start your fun night of movie watching with that one. That'll set the tone. And then I just see him in this weird warehouse with a ton of pudding and they're like what is happening in this movie and the sh- is that the piano movie it's oh yes yeah, piano so in the middle the of the piano. street yeah and he's just like there's the weird like driving music as he's trying to decide whether he's gonna steal the street piano <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man adam sandler so as a as a playstation dude as a dude who who playstations <laughs> do do you even playstation how does this make you feel about them having your info. <laughs> I just make sure my passwords are different on every service, and that's about all I can do. Do you have stored credentials, credit card, that kind of thing? Yeah, there's a credit card on my PlayStation account. That you have to now cancel and or never use for anything else? <laughs> because this is I, when they, 2011, I guess, when they had this hack the last time, I was like, oh, good, that card is now... 
definitely in the hands of some. Well, they said it was encrypted, but can we trust anything they say anymore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, and that's you know, once you have access to something like if I have a hard drive of encrypted data that's no longer rate limited because it's just raw data. Yeah, you can throw a GPU at that. Yeah. Yeah, you can just put that table up in the cloud on an Amazon web server and just be like, fire all the the RAMs (laughs) at it. Use all of the CPUs and GPUs and come back when you've unlocked this. Come back in a few minutes when you've unlocked. What is is the solution? Like, do we just encrypt all the things all the time? I hope that's the answer. Like, everything should be end-to-end encrypted. We should already be there. Should it also be stored encrypted? Yeah. So you just encryption all the time. I think so. I think that need, that needs to be the result. How many more hack uh, hacks do we need before that's just like okay, encrypt all the things. So other than companies just didn't want to do it cuz it's expensive. It was. It was expensive. There's a, there was a great Google article uh, like a year or two ago well, about transitioning like, from their old ass approach was uh, probably still expensive, but Well, and don't you feel like the technical cost has come down to the point where it is almost indisputably negligible. I feel like the only reason anyone ever goes against encryption now is convenience. It's it's trusted devices on my phone. It's like I don't want to have to type in a password. And the, the government wants us to be wide open with backdoors, which blows well, my mind. Like this kind of stuff happens, and then you still have the FBI or the Department of Justice or police department saying, "Like, well, we need think of the children. We need, we need backdoor access." And I'm like, "You think you can protect a backdoor access, and you're the only one that's going to use it for legitimate reasons?" Yeah, it's never going to happen. Like <laughs> that is such childish optimism. <laughs> like at some point, unless you want rogue hacker groups to be able to break things, you need to just let us encrypt everything. And I, this is like a, now that the door has been opened problem is, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, if you asked a security person like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could just hear every phone conversation happening all the time at any time, always, 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 <laughs> they would be like, uh, no, that would be a massive invasion of privacy. That'd be scary. But now that they have powers like that, it's like, Hey, what if we maybe went back to a time when you didn't have omniscience? They're like, nope. Like, but we need omniscience. Yeah. Child pornographers, man. We need omniscience. Someone, uh, I saw a shower thought on Reddit a while ago that said, like, if the FBI and NSA and everything really is monitoring all these criminals that and they're storing data as evidence, that means that they have the largest single collection of child pornography. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I mean, it's it's like scary satire it's like yeah that's funny and also probably true and horrifying yeah and really horrifying like how much evidence do you need on a creep before you just go and be like hey you're under arrest and you're gonna be in jail forever because you're a threat to society yeah you really need to monitor that guy for years i'm, I'm sad now i just what have we done we have made what are we me doing? sad <laughs> what am i doing somebody made me sad <laughs> so i'm I think we've solved it. End-to-end <laughs> encryption. So encryption in transport and encryption at rest. At yeah, at rest. Yeah. At, at storage is <laughs> is the only way. And I feel like I I think 
I, I, I'm pretty sure you do a good job of this. I know I do a pretty good job. Like my phone is encrypted. My tablet's encrypted. My laptop's encrypted. I use two-factor wherever I can. I use different passwords on yeah. every service. I use strong passwords. Like I, I don't feel like I'm just blowing smoke saying like, oh, you guys are bad. I would never let that happen. Yeah. Like I've, I've been in meetings where I don't have my laptop and a colleague will say like, oh, Lions, can you just go ahead and log into this? And I'm like, no. Because <laughs> I don't have LastPass available to me, and I'm not going to install it on this shared machine. So, nope. Yeah. If you wanted me to bring materials, you should have prepared me ahead of time. <laughs> and it's it's the amount of times that's been an inconvenience are like in the single it's digits. Pretty minor, yeah. Very minor. And for in a pinch, I have my phone. I can look up a password and, and sign in somewhere. But right. It's only like, do I really need to do this? <laughs> yeah. Do I do I really want to type in this? <laughs> huge many many character nonsense it'll be like yeah i'm doing a training in a lab and i need our slides right most of the time i just make a public link ahead of time so i don't even have to sign in i think if uh if i was in a meeting and our our boss's boss was like someone signed into this then i'd be like phone out (laughs) you know opening last pass but you know most of the time that doesn't happen because if i go somewhere where i'm going to be doing things with digital materials i bring like my laptop so I have my digital materials available to me, you know, and I feel like it's we've gotten used to everything being available everywhere all the time. But really, this isn't that different than, you know, if I have a notebook in my office with notes in it 25, 30 years ago and I go to a meeting and they're like, oh, do you have those notes? And I'm like, no, I left them in my office because at the yeah. time people would just be like, oh, well, go back to your office or it's not that big of a deal or I'm super mad at you or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like, what do you mean you don't have everything available to you all the time always? Queue it up. Log in. What yeah. do you mean you don't know your password? I'm like, why do you know your password? <laughs> you shouldn't know your yeah. password. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. No <laughs> amount of CIA torture can get my passwords out of me cuz I don't know them. Yeah. Oh, that's oh. Let's not talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> I just made that. myself sadder. <laughs> oh, uh, so much sadness. Yeah. So here, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this one last thing that's interesting to me, and then I'll be done for this week. <laughs> the end of the Colbert Report. Because I love him. He's so. Great. I love him too. I'm, I, there's a great. I'll uh, I'll throw a link to it in the show notes. There's a great thing, uh, like a compilation of interviews with him on NPR. The day of his last episode. So it was right before his last episode aired and it was stitched together all these different interviews over the years. And what was fantastic about it is when he did these NPR interviews, he did them as not his character. He was human. Yeah, actually him. So he's talking about – Same thing when he was was part of the Google author series. He spent – there's on YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Um, But the – you know, for people who aren't super familiar with uh, those characters, he Stephen Colbert was originally he actually was on the Daily Show before John Stewart, for, yeah, for a brief time before John Stewart came in and and took it over. Craig Kilborn, Craig Kilborn, <laughs> um, and he used to you know do segments. He was a correspondent, and at the end, the very very last thing after like the ten false endings to the Colbert Report, he it ends. And it cuts to Jon Stewart in the Daily Show studio, and he says, thanks for that report, Stephen. Here it is. Your moment is end. And it ends like an episode of the Daily Show, as if all – like the whole nine years, like yeah. 1,500 episodes of the, the Colbert Report had just secretly been like one long Daily Show segment. And I was like, that's, that's like really sweet because it's you know, Stephen Colbert admitting like 
Yeah, I am my own person, but like I owe a lot to John Stewart. Well, I remember when he won. Was it an Emmy? I mean, several, but yeah, for best comedy yeah. program or news well, program. It was like there was a whole bit where John Stewart came out and pretended to be really angry and jealous. Yeah, because The Daily Show didn't win for the first time in like eleven yeah. years. And then at the end, like. He was just like, well, does it make you happy if I'm angry about this? And Colbert's like, yes, I need you. <laughs> but then John Stewart was like, well, just kidding. I executive produced this show. And he grabs the <laughs> Emmy from him and he's like, 12 years in a row. <laughs> Which is, I mean, Stephen Colbert is not a huge guy, but John Stewart's like really diminutive. He's like my size. I'm, I'm not a big dude. So it's just like really funny to see him like yank it away like yeah. a petulant child and just be like i've got your emmy <laughs> so there that's a happy note to end on so mike where can people find these amazing show notes and this terrifying gif of kim jong-un's face exploding yeah maybe don't click on that one but <laughs> head to flipping tables podcast.com slash zero four six four six oh and i have one other note um, we have had a very lucky and successful streak. We've been late a couple times, but we've never missed a week. Yeah. We're going to record on time and release a normal episode next week. Yeah. No so, holiday break yeah, for flipping there, tables. There is no There's rest. Too many tables. To too flip. many tables. No rest for flipping tables. So keep your subscribes tuned. You're all going to have new tablets and new phones for yeah. Christmas. Beautiful new devices to listen why, to the show. Why not listen? You're welcome. So <laughs> Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and you're welcome. <laughs> so flippingtablespodcast.com slash 046. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at pseudomichael.com. Oh, yep. right. We're just stopping there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> people can find me uh, at linesandbeta.com or at linesandbeta on Twitter. And uh, – Tweet at us all the tough. If you do get an exciting new thing for Christmas, tell us what it is. Because yeah. I'm. Do you have any? Do you have a long wish list? Uh, I've got an Amazon list that sits there, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I tried that for a while, and then I would forget about it, and stuff would be on there that I had or didn't need anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm too old for a wish list, Mike. <laughs> I just when I, I want, don't really like when I want something, I buy it with is, my money. Yeah. <laughs> gonna say like i don't wait till christmas for like that big thing i want it's like well either i bought it or i don't need it yeah yet yeah or i can't afford it so i'm not gonna buy it yeah yeah it's our childhood is over i never yeah i I never thought i would be at this point (laughs) anyway all right everybody have a good week i guess uh this is the last time we'll talk to you before christmas so merry christmas 